Hello and welcome to the MIG Plus One podcast, where I sit down with industry leaders to discuss the project to product movement. I'm Mick Kirsten, founder and CEO of Tastalk and best-selling author of Project to Product, how to survive and thrive in the age of digital disruption with the Flow Framework. Joining me on today's episode is Renata Strata from BMW Group. Renata is responsible for the IT side development of the vehicle simulation at BMW Brilliance Automotive in China and has been representing BMW as an innovative tech company in an agile world for several years at international events and conferences. Renata is actually the main character featured in Project to Product, so you may recognize the name. He has some amazing stories to tell and just an incredible track record in building an infrastructure for innovation at the scale of BMW's IT operations. I'm thrilled to have him finally join me on the podcast. So with that, let's get started. Renee, welcome to the Project to Product podcast. It is so great to have you here. Hello, Mick. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And for those who don't know the name, Renée Testrata, there is one main character in the Project to Product book, in that narrative where we're walking through the plant and I'm learning so many inspirational things, and, and that character is actually Renée. So I could not be happier to have him on the podcast and just to share some of the learnings that I've had from Renée, you know, not only on that plant trip, but actually over many, many years where he's applied the lessons of, I think, cutting edge development of cars of you know as as renee told me many years ago of these things that were becoming computers on wheels with uh renee how many lines of code does the does the i8 have currently uh about a hundred million yeah and then then this is you know even before what we think about all the mobility services and autonomous and everything else so i've continued to talk regularly with renee again learn more and more what the cutting edge is and i'm just really excited that he's going to share that with us today so renee and i met actually back in it's been it's been a decade renee it was hp discover uh in vienna in 2011 so yeah and I'll, I'll never forget the meeting because that, I think the first thing that, that Renee told me is that he's got this big problem in terms of getting visibility at scale for the entire software supply chain. And, and Renee, you said, look, budget's not my problem. Compute's not my problem. A decade ago, you were able to get all the VMs that anyone could want with 99 cores, 380 gigabytes of RAM per VM. I'll, I'll never forget that. But the problem was actually getting visibility and integration at scale for the entire software supply chain. So Renee, I will get you to tell us about you know, what, what kind of machines you can procure now. And, and I know you've got, you're working with many, many more tens of thousands of, thousands of cores when, when you're working with simulation. But before we get started on all that, tell us you know, how your career began, how you started working actually not, not in the IT side, but with plants, because I think so much of the perspective that you've shared with me that I've learned so much from actually comes from the, the evolution of your career and, and how you actually started on the manufacturing side. So just, just tell us a bit of your story. Okay, yeah, thank you, Mick. Yeah, uh, I started my career in BMW in 2005 in the brand new uh, vehicle production plant in Leipzig there. It was the newest uh, BMW plant and at that time most modern and sophisticated vehicle plant in the world. In that plant, my job was uh, to run and to develop IT applications or yeah, and systems for the quality assurance of uh, the vehicle development. We always were faced with the challenge that we have a huge number of jobs to do with a very low number of people. Everything we did was focused on efficiency and automation, everything we can do to enable the people to focus on their job, on the what and not, not on the how. 
and this was a big focus. And at that time, we started to develop brand new applications for um, the BMW wide worldwide uh, BMW worldwide quality assurance of the vehicle production itself. So we provided that application as a service for all the plants worldwide. And then after um, more or less four and a half years, in mid of 2009, I switched to the central BMW central IT in Munich. And uh, right at that time, at that point, I took over the responsibility for the IT responsibility for the whole application landscape of the uh, so-called ECU uh, development yeah, for electric electronic. That was what Mick uh, mentioned before. E slash E is, uh, means everything that works with uh, power with electricity in the car so navigation system brakes um airbags things like that then i took over responsibility for um, it landscape which was at that time very much struggling with the size so we had huge systems with tens of thousands of users gigabytes and gigabytes of data in the databases and terabytes of data as uh, as attachments and local storages and things like that so and the uh, problem was we had a lot of local workarounds to solve this and this and this problem and we never had a clear overview over the whole process and what's going on in in the um, yeah in the whole process it was it to to get that to get that overview over the quality of the software uh, uh, that meant to do a lot of manual work we had no yeah let me say today we would call that no flow framework or something like that to automate our velocity and uh, uh, to to monitor um, everything what's going on. We had no chance to monitor and to ensure the quality from end to end in a in a very efficient way. We did it, but with a lot of manual work. And my challenge was: we have a lot of performance issues. In the future, we will not have that many people in the, in that process. And the complexity of the cars is growing, uh, complexity in the car is growing, and data is growing, and uh, everything is growing, 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 growing. In- infrastructure wasn't my problem, and budget wasn't my problem. Problem was, I need new sophisticated solutions for the future. Yeah, and that's where that was a point where I met Mick, and uh, this is a, a story for for after, and um, yeah, and then I was uh, from that time I was as an IT project lead, active in the so-called BMW ITO ITO Trofer, that means the vehicle development, so the IT which is responsible for ITO, and from after some years um, when we solved the biggest problems, I gave the job to someone else and I took over different jobs and um, yeah at the moment I'm faced with uh, new challenges um, in terms of China and simulation it's a very huge area as well uh, with new challenges and for that I need new and more sophisticated solutions to increase everything what we learned in the past. Okay, Renee, I, I actually do want to get into that, but I think the key thing that it's, it's you know so striking to me is that you've been actually solving this problem and solving it really effectively over the course of an entire decade, 
right? No, yeah. Just you know, many of our listeners probably saw the story in the Wall Street Journal recently about the Volkswagen ID3 debacle, where you know, a fifty billion dollar project to compete with Tesla went off the rails because of software. And actually, some of the things that you were coming to me with again a decade ago now are exactly the solutions that are needed to create these highly complex cars with dozens or even more now it's, you know some cars have over you know we're getting between 1 and 200 ECUs yep. on these cars uh, and even more and more software running even uh, and powering the the entire experience driving experience and mobility experience so i think you know the thing that i've i've noticed consistently across over the years is just the way that you've been innovating and pointing the organization in the right direction. I think starting, as you said, with making sure that the plant, this is one of the things that you that you made yeah. me realize, is that, and I think this will be a, a key theme on this podcast, there's one key product's the car, another key product's the plant, right? And the yeah. entire process of manufacturing, designing, delivering, uh, and updating the, the vehicle itself. So you've actually had this, from my perspective, these lean principles around having that kind of visibility, let's say, of quality in the plant and providing that to, to every single BMW plant. And then the, the thing that was so novel to me back then is you actually want visibility across the entire supply chain. Yep. Right. It wasn't okay that that you know some supplier was to blame for some particular problem with a car. You've always had this approach of getting visibility end to end and always looking at what the constraints to that visibility were. You know, was it a tool constraint? Uh, was it was it the fact that this is a very complex supply chain? And I think that the key thing, because of course what we're talking about here is helping organizations modernize from where they are today. Right. It's not like you were had a greenfields scenario like Tesla. You were actually doing this over an extremely complex and mature organization and set of factories and cars and product lines that, that were never actually you know, designed around this. So how can you just tell us some of the principles that, that you've applied across this this journey? Because the bottom line is I think, you know, I, I see it today. The efforts that you were you started ten years ago and eight years ago and five years ago and four years ago have actually helped BMW Group end up in a much better spot than than so many automotive manufacturers are today. To to your first uh, what you mentioned as first, the problem that we can see in the Wall Street Journal today. That is what what I saw ten years ago. Yeah. The growing complexity, and I say, okay, at the moment we are able to handle that with how we did it, how we how we do it today. So at that time, I was sure that we will not be able to handle that in the future in the same way. So yeah, the complexity is growing, lines of code are growing, the supply chains mm -hmm. are growing. Yeah, more and more suppliers and sub suppliers and sub 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 suppliers and things like that. And I always have to consider about the end-to-end -end thing and 10 years ago we, we we wondered okay how to solve that and and we must act now to have a solution in five years so for, for when we when the next step will come up and things like that and that's the reason uh, why why we try to in german we have uh, we have some pictures or pictures and words for that if you have a lot of sheeps then the fence is broken and, and in the morning you want to feed the sheeps then you have to go outside and then you catch all the, the sheeps into there where you want to feed them and then you can feed them and the next morning I have to do the same yeah and I told okay we don't want to catch the we, we, we want to stop to catch the sheeps every morning first we fix the broken fence so that they are there where they have to be there that that was um, the premise that I gave out to my team and said first we we fix the broken fence and then we we try to to make the fence flexible, that we can change the area where the sheep have to stay. To stay. So, and and this is uh, so as as a picture. And 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 we did that ten years ago. Now we we can earn the fruits, yeah, of that. 
we can harvest <laughs> the fruits of that. This is what what happens. Um, yeah, let me say um, what we did there at that time. Since then, we did that. Let me say it in a in a in an endless loop again and again and again. So it it, it came up to a, a, a template of what we did did in the last years, in the last ten years. So and for that, we changed a lot. And uh, yeah, the plant Leipzig is a, is a good example for that. We built the first time we built um, a plant uh, completely different to all the plants we had before. In the past, so we had some very historic plants with some buildings on it and assembly lines, and then okay, yeah, we need now this, and then another building were built there beside this and this and this, and then it was very distributed and a little bit chaotic, yeah, and with no real plan behind that. And in the new plant, uh, the first thing was okay, what is the result we expect from this plant? What's the product we want to generate with that? And then okay, then we build. The whole plant for that, what needs to be done there. So, and then we, including some flexibilities to to provide scalability in the plant. Okay, to increase the production and to build more cars, or then potentially, let's say, uh, to build additionally um, um, bikes or whatever. Yeah, what we never did, but potentially we we, we could. Or, <laughs> and then that's how we how we build up plant. So then it, it was completely influenced by the lean principle and to build as as much cars as efficient as possible with as less people as possible and with the highest quality what what is possible. Yeah, and you know, to me, as you invite me to this plant where you started your career, the the plant Leipzig, as I think you know, for me, it, was, it really was one of the most transformational experiences of of my entire career. And I think some of the things that you hit on, I think, are just so profound, right? Which which is the plant was thought of as a product, and the plant supported an organizational transformation because, yeah. as you told me, the I three was actually developed in half the time. Of yeah. previous models and the plant as a product supported this the modularity of the plant right the fact that the plant can be extended to yeah. extend manufacturing steps or the i3 line can be reconfigured through software yeah. because it's got the the software platforms instead of instead of rails the autonomous uh, what do you call them again the autonomous platforms that that move along the line the fts FDS, yeah. So it, it, it's you know it's just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, a lot of it was obviously described in the book, so I, I won't cover it again here. But this plant actually achieved that business goal, developing that car in half the time. And again, this is something that I think is in terms of the foundational principles and the first principles by which BMW Group delivered this. I, I just really want to highlight some of the ones that I think to me made the biggest impact on how I think software and mixed software and hardware need to scale, right? And this, this has been your approach. So, you know, one of them is obviously thinking of the entire process, manufacturing process as a product and understanding those value streams. And then, you know, we already know how to get very good visibility for manufacturing lines, but what you enabled BMW to do is to get end-to-end visibility and yeah. traceability for software. And not just for software, you know, of, of a team working here, right? Not just the, the inverter team working over uh, in this building over here. But yeah. actually, I think the fascinating thing is what you enabled is visibility for software across the supply chain. And if yeah. we look at that, you know, the problems that others are experiencing, like like the Volkswagen ID3 problems, it's exactly these kinds of things, right? Where so the lack of integration, lack of traceability, lack of traceability, of course, it ends up, you know, exposes you to more things like dieselgate, lack of visibility and the rest. Uh, it is fascinating to me that, that you actually 
you solve these you, you solve these things. So I think organizations, from what you've done and what you've shared, and then some of the presentations you've given that I've seen, organizations that want to do this actually you know, have a blueprint for how to achieve this kind of end-to-end visibility and traceability. Yeah. So just to shift gears just a little bit, another thing that I don't know when you first told me this, Renee, it must have been five years ago, but. You, you know, with this goal of reducing the development time, accelerating yeah. innovation, that was, you know, really BMW Group achieved with the I program, with the I series. You said we have another big bottleneck, right? And and the big bottleneck, because again, in the kinds of lean and systems thinking that that's you know so natural to you, uh, you told me, well, the problem is we have to build physical cars in the car development yeah. process. And I said, what? What are you talking about? Um, he said, well, these cars cost, you know. It goes hundreds of thousands of euros to build, and it takes a long time to build them, and, and we need to make it all software. So, so to me, this was a pretty profound thing. And as I actually see the Agile and DevOps communities and really now trying to understand how to accelerate the speed of innovation in an industrial context where you've got these physical devices, right? It's not Netflix. You've got these, these, these cars or ships or planes or, or IoT devices out there. Again, many, many years ago, you actually started the charge to bring BMW to apply these principles of software to the design and manufacturing process itself. And, you know, I'll never forget the first the, the thing that you showed me was actually simulated, a fully simulated and actually video rendered drive of a car to test its yeah. suspension and so yeah. on. So, so just tell us a bit, because I think this is, you know, this is actually quite a novel thing to many people, but I think it'll be one of the most transformational things that we see in mixed hardware and software development over the coming years. And again, you've already got this up and running. So, so uh, tell us a bit about your journey and how you discovered that simulation was actually going to relieve, because this is back to your, you know, fixing the hole in the fence, Renee, um, yeah. and, and automating things instead of doing things manually. Uh, tell us about your journey with simulation. My journey with simulation <laughs> began a little bit funny, let me say. What I mentioned before, when I was responsible of E/E, um, then I um, were faced with a second challenge that we, in, in the IT team, in the project team, we had to bring out in, in very short times uh, a lot of new versions of the one single piece of the single pieces uh, of our uh, software uh, tool chain. So, for example, we had um, interfaces around the quality center and to integrate deliver um, suppliers and then um, data transformations, ETL process, whatever. There was a lot of development work going on. And then um, before, before I took over that responsibility, all the deployments and uh, integrations were done manually. Each part uh, and each component uh, team did it for itself. So, and there was no central steering, no overview on that. Every team did it how they thought it's the best thing. Then I changed to, let me say, yeah, the central steering of that. And then we, we, we set it up the first time, uh, Jenkins servers as build servers. And then I integrated the whole develop uh, deployments. Yeah, I ordered the sub teams to do to integrate it there and to run all the deplo deployments over that uh, Jenkins and the connected slaves on that and that was the first uh, time where we saw okay we have a step by step an overview of what's going on in total on, on deployment jobs and and then i integrated the test automation yeah i say okay i want to have everything test automated in that yeah i want nothing to de to be deployed in production without a test automation 
yeah, that I can be sure that the base functionality is go is is going right and it's working. Yeah, okay, we we always can find some uh, some uh, some issues and, and bugs, but this must be uh, minor bugs, uh, not major bugs. So uh, this was the first first uh, change of the mindset of the whole people. It was a bit stressful because a lot of people don't want to do that. And, yeah, we can do that by our own, and we need don't need a central a central steering and central organization of that. And the doc, yes, 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 we will do that. Yeah, we will do that. Yeah, you have to do that. And then I, <laughs> it was a pretty funny thing. I presented that that whole uh, chain. Then we had um, the first um, the first versions of end to end integration. So someone is putting in the, in the beginning of the of the line of the tool chain, a new piece of software in it, and then automated deployments, automated test automation, and then uh, deployment into the production system. And then, okay, we can see it's there here by this, 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 this. Yeah, we can deploy. And then I presented this in a, in a management meeting and someone asked me, does it matter if this is software or something else? And I asked him, what do you mean with something else? Can it be yeah, something else. So make, make, make an example for that. Yeah, let me see. So instead of producing a piece of software which is uh, um, compiled, can we do um, integrate their, uh, let me say, video rendering or things like that? Yes, it's a software which runs a job and yeah, yeah, pro probably yes, yeah, I guess, yes, yeah. Let's test it out, yeah. And then we made some uh, more meetings and then the people came to me and uh, the, the engineers came to me and say, yeah, we have here some on a, on, a, on a simulation platform which is simulating um, driving dynamics and in that case um, a simulation of, of, of a new car on a, on a rough road and um, this is at the moment a manual process and okay show me give me more details and they told me okay we have here um, a list of parameters where we have currently in excel and then we Upload this in that platform, and these are the functional data for for to set up the simulation model we have in that platform here. And then we start manually a simulation calculation, and it takes several time. Yeah, you know, in in small models some minutes, in big models uh, two days. And then we have to look. Okay, is it is it ready? Is is the run um, uh, fulfilled? And is the result? Uh, formal correct and then we have to make then we have to create and run scripts to check the quality of the results ah okay and and what do you do then yeah and then we put this model into another model to run a bigger model and then the loop is starting from the beginning again and then i um, wondered okay that looks that looks like a normal um, software development process, but the result is not an application. The result is a is a is a simulation, and and then as an option um, to visualize the simulation, we can generate a video of that. Yeah, so to to, to demonstrate that in, in in management meetings or something like that, to make it visible. What's the result? And then we tried to, and then we started to integrate that for that. It was uh, at that time the tool, the, the simulation tool Car Maker, and we integrated in that. And then at the end of the day, we had a completely integrated, we say, simulation tool chain in there, and integrated in the whole, in the normal, in the normal uh, software development chain. First was, um, yeah, we we collect data, and, um, and and then the the Excel file and the functional data I mentioned before. From that time, they stored it. In 
in um, in Subversion at that time. Today they would do that in Bitbucket, I think, but at that time in Subversion. And so we checked it out uh, from there, uh, put it into the simulation model in that platform, and we were be able to to remote control the car maker to create the deploys and uh, the compilings of of the simulation model, and and then at the um, and then they run these these proofs and checks and script they had. Uh, it was a bit like a test automation to check it out if it's right or not. And at the end result, we generated that video. Was it was uh, and we called that so so to say the productive rollout. Yeah, and that was nothing else. It was it was the same like what we did in the IT or in the software development chain, but with other tools and a little bit of different handlings. But the result was the same. And um, at that point, we used the first time uh, regular IT methodologies to improve the engineering business uh, job. And then we considered, okay, what can we do else with that? Yeah, and then um, yeah, step by step, it, it was getting more and more sophisticated. Today, in my job today, what I have, and I'm uh, the responsible IT responsible for the simulation build up in China. We do the same. On the one hand, we have software development chains, uh, chains where we have to produce yeah, and to uh, to deploy and to roll out software in Germany and in China. And we do the same for providing the simulation data, the functional data, the data models, the simulation models, and things like that. We are using exactly the same methodologies, and uh, we don't found the wheel new. Yeah, We are using that, what we knew, and what is very sophisticated and very much proved in the past, which is very, very good used in the IT industry. Yeah, This is the same for us there. Yeah, so Renee, and I think when you first started doing this and you first took me through it, you had a you had a high performance computing center in Iceland and, and you said it's really yeah. convenient to have it in Iceland because you just roll down the windows and the and the cores get cooled. Yeah. Uh, it's sufficiently cooled. But the way that you've scaled it is is just incredible to me now. So this is and I actually I wanna I wanna dissect this journey a bit because I think it's it, it's so important. But but just tell us quickly where your high performance computing clusters now in terms of to give people a sense for the amount of simulation that's actually being run. Just give us a sense for the, and especially for the hardware geeks, how many cores, how much RAM have you got in there? Yeah, more than the yeah, three gigabytes you had before. <laughs> at the moment, we so we have two two big um, HPC clusters, one on Iceland, and one on uh, in in northern Sweden. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, it, cooling is very easy. You open the window <laughs> and it's cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and Iceland has a very good infrastructure right, for um, uh, landlines. Yeah, the cables in in the. Uh, in the uh, to for the um, providing the, the lease lines to there and and um, so of course in, in in on Iceland there is I think one big node of the internet between uh, Europe and Northern America I think and uh, we can use this this existing infrastructure for that that's one reason why it's in, in Iceland and yeah what we have there in these two in these two clusters so in in total in these two clusters we have at the moment around one hundred and fifty thousand physical CPU cores. And around yeah, and around ten petabyte RAM, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how much, but uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of exabyte of storage. And uh, there we run uh, nearly every simulation of the BMW Group, except China. China is a different story, and we can dig, in, uh, dig into that deeper later. In 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 the past, we had HPC cluster in Munich. And this, and it, it, at that time, it was very much smaller than it is today on Iceland, and this needed the same power as a fifty thousand person city. 
yeah and with all the carbon emissions and things like that and today it's zero emission that's amazing and great to yeah. hear yeah we knew the thermal energy from iceland uh, to to run uh, to produce the energy and uh, yeah and to cool yeah just open the window <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing it, there's a little bit more liquid involved. In, in yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but to simplify it, you know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like a good geographical location. The thing I want to dig into here right now, because I think what, what's so amazing is just how the scale at which you are today, and that, that truly is a mind-blowing scale if we just imagine the kind of workloads and models all being simulated, and what is being simulated has become a, a key part of car manufacturing. At, at BMW Group, um, but I think what's so fascinating to me about the story and, and having had you know the privilege of, of following the story with you and being part of it is 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 just it's a story of innovation and I think it's it is such an amazing story of of transformation itself where you basically took lean principles, to a product value stream mindset, and then software and basically you know, principles of DevOps right you created IT's continuous integration pipeline like you took Jenkins. And then this aha moment that's so incredible, saying, well, we can apply the principles of software value streams and continuous integrations, and in the end, what we now call DevOps, not only to our software systems, but actually to the entire life cycle of, of building a car. And I think that this is just an amazing thing because it's it's worked and it's completely transformed what was a very long and slow business process. You, you know, the, the, the core yeah. thing BMW creates is, is is making these cars that deliver sheer driving pleasure into now a software defined and a software driven process. And I think this is exactly where you know, across industries, this is exactly how I think business and technology leaders have to be thinking is how can we apply what we've learned in software over the last decades to transforming how we actually deliver value to customers. And the speed at which you did this and the scale at which it's running right now is just incredible to me. And I and I actually want to dig into one thing because when you first showed me that video, Renee, I was like, Renee, this is like this is just like a game. Or like this is super cool. I actually, it was really neat to actually see the driving so you know, at first I thought it was flippant when you showed it to me, and then I kept watching the video, and you could actually see the you know the wheels bouncing and the simulation running, and you told me that if you know we have too much vibration, let's say, uh, in the suspension, we could actually cr automatically create a defect, right? Saying, you know, and, and go to the right you know part in our supply chain and say, okay, we've got too much vibration, let's fix this defect. And when when you took me through, I was like, okay, this that that's completely mind blowing. We're now we're now applying. Agile and DevOps for digital twin of a physical device, and we have visibility, not connectivity, in the supply chain, right? Because suppliers are providing simulation data, and all of this has now become this this flow and feedback loop uh, at a you know that scale and complexity that that's just incredible. And the fact that you thought to make that video to get executives excited about this probably accelerated that process. So I think these patterns that you've taken of again applying using first principles software concepts to, in your case, physical delivery, and then making sure that it was done collaboratively with different parts of the organization, right? That some of the idea came from what you said, right? Listening to people, but then actually showcasing the result in this really cool video that executives can forward to each other or that you showed in meetings or, or, or however you did this. I, th I just think it's, it's such an amazing success pattern. So it's great to see, and I hope others seek inspiration from it. So 
now what's next like what what do you see in terms of you know the what's going to be interesting or difficult in the next 10 years and you know i i'll have to bring up the the quote here from mr dies um of volkswagen where you know he stated in this after all the problems that we were seeing and again i think this is just a it's not i'm not trying to pick at volkswagen i'm kind of trying to trying to pick at the entire industry a lot of organizations and not just the car industry our economy as a whole a lot of traditional organizations are just too slow to transform yeah. the bmw group we've got a, a great example here of how you actually transform and the amazing amount of investment and thinking that had to go into this kind of connectivity transparency visibility simulation all of that so what Mr. D said is that it, in this article is that the global transformation of the industry, the car industry, will take roughly 10 years and it'll happen with or without Volkswagen, right? It, these things are happening. Um, tell us, you've really helped define the, the, that last 10 years for a BMW Group. Tell us what you're thinking about the next 10 years looking like because it doesn't stop, right? It, you need to continue innovating. Others will continue innovating. Software is just getting more complex. Supply chains are getting more complex. Security is becoming more important. Quality, and of course, you know, I think a lot of what we've seen is organizations who focus on innovation without an understanding of quality fall behind. Like the ID3 is an incredibly innovative car. The problem is yeah. it shuts off and it has all these defects that that affect its consumers and affect trust. So you've actually had this perspective on both the striking this balance of quality and innovation and creating infrastructure. So I'll stop rambling now, Renee, but but tell us how you how you think about the next 10 years. Yeah, in the next 10 years, I think, especially in such big companies that we have in automotive industry, it's all about transformation. All the big companies need to be transformed from former waterfall-oriented companies into agile companies. And that means to, to transform the whole companies, not just the IT or just the development itself. It's everything. Transform the controlling, the finance and controlling transform procurement, transform human resources, transform sales, everything. Our end product, the car, is getting more and more a specific kind of device. Years ago, we were talking about cars as computers on wheels. And in the future, we are talking about devices that the people not necessarily have to own. Yeah? And doesn't matter which which technology is behind. It doesn't matter if it's an electric car, if it's a plug-in hybrid, if it's um, a diesel or whatever car. People have to be, needs to have mobility, individual mobility. And in the future, they can choose between different kinds of mobility. And this must must go hand in hand with um, that what the customers are used to do at home. Yeah. They have their Spotify account there. They have their, their they can watch, uh, listen to their favorite podcasts uh, wherever they are. They have their uh, cell phone or smartphone wherever they are going to. And for that, we are faced with the challenge of um, realizing a lot of huge innovations in the in the next ten years, or not only in the next ten years, in the next years. For that, I'm pretty sure that all the companies which are not willing or not able to transform and to go in that direction to get to become more flexible and more innovative, and uh, the, the companies which are not willing or able to do so, will not exist in a couple of years. What what we see at Tesla, this is it's a revolutionary kind of changing the industry but it's it's necessary all the the most of the tr traditional uh, manufacturers are be able to do the same thing but in the past they were not willing because there was no pressure on that 
And why why should we do that? Because no one wants to do that. No one wants to buy that. And uh, the customer is not willing to pay money for that. Yeah? And now Tesla showed us, yeah, there are some difficult, difficult, uh, difficult um, yeah, some problems, several problems to start such an innovation. But you can solve the problems if you are strong enough, if you are willing enough, if you yeah, have a lot, lot uh, enough money for that. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. What we can see here now, some problems away from that. Um, now that the traditional car manufacturers have to go in that direction, and doesn't matter if it's a battery electric car or or a, or a diesel or whatever. It's, it's a kind of new product with autonomous, with integration, with entertainment, with um, that. Yeah, it's 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 a device. The car is a device in the future, yeah? a mobile device, and um, we all have to. To focus on on that, yeah, the innovation, and that was the end customer is willing to pay for, and uh, all this in a high quality. The next ten years, each company which is not willing or be able to go in that direction, and to invest a huge of effort and a huge of mindset change will not exist any longer in the past. And I'm very glad that we started the agile transformation of the whole company years ago. Yeah. And um, and uh, now we are on a very good way. We, we are not only talking about DevOps, we are living DevOps. Uh, DevOps in IT and in business departments, uh, in engineering departments. And that makes my job so fun to me. Yeah, And I love my job and I... I'm happy every every morning. I'm happy to start my job for this, my work for this day again, because I know yes, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I'm at, on the right on the right place, and I, I think we are on the next step to um, of the combination of engineering and IT work. And this is what we are doing, as I mentioned before, with the simulation built up in China, where we where we start a real cross company and cross country distributed simulation work. Yeah, it's not only to integrate um, an external supplier, it's a really distribution and physical distribution of, uh, of work and to, to scale, to stay, scale our capabilities and our, our skills and our uh, performance over the world. And this is the next step. And because you cannot find all the specialists for simulation, engineering, whatever you need in your business in one country. You have to look over the world where they are, and then you have to distribute your work there and to integrate it. And always to have, it's necessary to have an integrated chain for whatever you are doing, supply chain, tool chain, whatever, to have the transparency of what's going on and to control the quality and what you are doing there. And this is, this is important for the, next, for the next years to run a transformation and to integrate everything what needs to be integrated and to... Yeah, have control over your flows, over your velocities, everything. And this is the future, in my mind, in my opinion. Yeah, Rene, that's I think that that is such a a great and again a, I think an, an inspirational summary. Right, is that you know this journey that you've navigated from just improving, automating, increasing the flow of software for IT to that actually becoming, you know, that that, comp that, that next phase of the combination of, of production and engineering and, and IT and software to I think the thing that you're saying, I think the key thing that you're saying is that without those maturity on those two things, that next step, which is a transformation of the business itself, 
the organization becoming more agile, more waterfall, and adapting yeah. its business to yeah. the way things are consumed today, which is yeah. through these digital experiences combined with devices, including large, <laughs> I hadn't thought of them, that it is a mobile device, a very large <laughs> yeah. mobile. You know, that is the future. And I think the key thing is you can't build that w- without investing into the foundation, without investing for the, that infrastructure for innovation that you've helped create, without that, that visibility and integration, you just can't get there. You, you can't get to that next step, and you can't skip those steps and i mean yeah with the devices yeah. these devices can you know can hurt people softer bugs send people to jail we, we know these things now so i think yeah. again think that perspective that you have on how to create the kind of right foundation for this i think is so critical because you know you can't take organizations can't shortcut that long journey that the, that you've been on they can probably maybe they can get there faster uh, you've i think been one of the main innovators behind it but in the end they have to follow the steps that you took yeah that's right that's right and um, as you can see in uh an example of Tesla, develop the software and all the features that such a car needs to have is one thing, but to produce it so that you have a car every 30 seconds is a different thing, that it works together. Yeah, And this is an experience you have to collect over decades. But don't, don't stay on a specific point if you think, okay, now we are on a good point and now we can, okay, now we can chill down and And where we are, we are in the front, yeah, but no. If you if you stop getting better, then you stop being good. That is a beautiful point to end it on, Renee. So thank you so much. Just, just incredible uh, insight from you. And uh, I hope others enjoyed that as well. So, and, and I think we will, you know, I will be paying close attention to, to what you're thinking of next. So we'll have to have you uh, share those thoughts again in the, in the coming months. So thank you. Thank you so much, Renee. Yeah, you're welcome. I hope we can we can start our next discussions in the second half of this year, physically from face to face with a glass of wine. Yes, thing exactly. <laughs> Fingers crossed for that. Yeah. Okay, and thank you everyone for tuning in. Yeah, you're welcome. A huge thank you to Renee for joining me on this episode. For more, follow me and my journey on LinkedIn, Twitter, or using the hashtags #MythPlus1 Project to Product. You can reach out to Renee on LinkedIn or on his Twitter at Renee Teststrate. I have a new episode every two weeks, so hit subscribe to join us again. You can also search for Project to Product to get the book. And remember, all other proceeds go to supporting women and minorities in technology. Thanks, stay safe, and until next time. <laughs>